Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, March 23rd, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture editor Ashley Steves. This is the day that the Lord has made. Oh, Let us re- be glad and rejoice <laughs> in it. And by the Lord, I, I of feel course, like mean Stephen Sondheim. Yeah, yeah I know. of course. Catholic, Catholic upbringings. Um, but Protestant. of course, I mean Stephen Sondheim. Not yeah. only is... Uh, Wednesday, the day we're recording, his birthday, also the birthday of the Right Lord Honorable Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber. But the big news of the day, I feel like it was bestowed upon us by the musical theater god, Stephen Sondheim himself. (laughs) We'll get into that story here in a second because, man, was that exciting to me. I'm glad. Um, We also got some crazy news from page six that involved defecating in a theater near the Clintons, um, which I'm not going to get into. Yeah, uh, what a day. Uh, good to see journalism is still alive and kicking despite claims. Yeah, it's just great. Just great. Um, I also do want to mention um, former Broadway radio guest John Lloyd Young, Tony Wonder from Jersey Boys. He is going to be at Cafe Carlisle starting next yeah. week from, what is that, second, the second, or I'm sorry, Tuesday the 28th through April 1st to no foolin'. Um, if you want to check him out, you can go over to uh, the Cafe Carlisle's uh, website. A great show. I've had him on to talk about his show when he was doing it in Vegas. Yeah. So anytime you have an opportunity to before. hear him sing, um, like Roy Orbison and obviously the Four Seasons stuff, uh, it will be uh, a-, a great show. So we and highly to recommend to go to the Cafe that. Carlisle, which is... Oh, I mean, I can't, I've never been. Glorious. Well, save been. up some money and let's go. Or, you know, <laughs> get a cop yeah. or something. Hey, absolutely. Matt. Absolutely. <laughs> well, if you want to send Ashley and I to Cafe Carlisle, you can help by going yes, over please. to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. All right. This is the news that some of us have been waiting for for over a decade. But while we knew this was like in the works, I still had severe doubts. And honestly, I still do that it will actually ever sure. happen. Yeah. But on Wednesday, producers Robert Greenblatt, Neil Marin, and Steven Spielberg announced that a stage musical adaptation of Smash is aiming to come to Broadway in the 2024-2025 season. Now, we knew that they were doing on this. I'm going to talk about the workshops they've had. They've talked back and forth about whether they wanted to do Bombshell on Broadway or do Smash on Broadway. I personally right. believe doing Smash is a much better idea than doing Bombshell. That's a whole other story. But there's actually more details here. Like, we actually have a creative team now. The production will be helmed by five-time Tony winner Susan Stroman. Yeah, pretty good. Which is amazing. Um, obviously, the score will be by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, including over two dozen songs from the show. Um, or they, they wrote two dozen uh, songs for the show. Many of them will be used in the musical. They are also writing new material. It keeps getting more exciting, though. The book will be co-written by Tony nominee Rick Ellis, who I think is, is brilliant. Yeah. And Tony winner Bob Martin, who is one of our absolute ah, favorites. Love. Yes. So forever. good. And the choreography will be done by Smash's own Emmy-winning choreographer, Joshua Burgass. So this is just one of those things where it's like we, we've talked pieces. about this show for so long, over a decade at this point. Yeah. And a lot of it is like, is this good? Is it fun? And it inspired a lot of hate watching, which I thought was ridiculous. It was the um, hate watching show, really. It, really the yeah. first that kind of came into the culture. Well, maybe Glee before it, but uh, but certainly in that like same era. Smash got bad before Glee did, though. Uh, I'd have to check the calendars. Yeah. Either way, it certainly has had a rocky road 
too cultural significance, but I feel like it really has, unlike a lot of shows where they do not age well, I think Smash has aged really well. Maybe not the, like the content itself, but the songs have continued to be extremely popular. So many of the stars of that show have gone on to have even bigger and better careers on Broadway and on television. And some ever should since have then. even bigger and better. Absolutely. So I feel like it's one of those shows that where despite the ridiculousness of like the prednisone and the I can't I'm in tech and some of the other ridiculousness, like <laughs> I think there's a lot to yeah. like about the TV show. And I feel like when you get a company of creatives like this, like Stro, like Shaman and Whitman, like and I feel Rick like and Bob writing the book, had to be Stro. Either had to be Stro or Casey Nicola for the absolute yes. scale of all of this. Well, and 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 Nicola has worked so much with Shaman and Whitman. Yeah. He's worked with Bob Martin, um, but also though he probably would have wanted to choreograph. But ha- so having Joshua Burgas back as the choreographer yeah. from the show makes sense. I mean, obviously. But but it's not like she hasn't just directed before, sure, I guess is what sure, I was, sure. was thinking about. Um, but either way, I, I think this is fascinating. I think it is incredible. I'm very excited about this. I mentioned a minute ago the fact that they've had workshops. They had one, um, I don't know if it was a workshop or a reading or a lab or whatever, uh, about a year ago. And they didn't never release a press release about it, but they didn't prevent people from doing social media posts. So some yeah. of the folks that were involved were original Smash stars Megan Hilty and Krista Rodriguez, also involved Brooks Ashmanskis and Beth Level, who of course worked with As Bob they Martin on always the prom. be in everything. Yes, of course. There was also Bonnie Milligan, Daniel Breaker, Christine Nielsen, Maddie Balio from Hairspray Live. So obviously worked with uh, Shaman and Whitman before. So um, and and others. It's of a course, camp- like those are. Yeah, it's a camp yes. fun thing everyone wants to be involved in. Yeah, who knows if any of those people will be involved now? I, to be honest with you, like as much as you and I both w- worship at the altar of Megan Hilty, like I can't true, see true. her being Ivy in this. Hard um, to tell. So I don't know if her involvement is just because, like, she knows the song, so she was doing it. Um, we don't know how much the story is going to hew to the plot of the the TV show. Will it be more of like? The same idea about people competing to, to for the role of Marilyn in a new musical about Marilyn Monroe. Or will it be, you know, pretty beat by beat from the show? Who knows? But I'm excited. Like, I'm giddy with I excitement. Tell you, I was going to say, you are this is breathless with excitement about I'm it. This. And I love, I love when it. Smash slash Bombshell news comes up because I still haven't seen more than like 10 minutes to Smash. So I'm very outsider for it. And it's like, it's your square one slash here we are. <laughs> like waited yeah. so long for it and all these rumors and workshops, et cetera, and now finally getting it. So I'm happy for you. I'm excited yeah, to see what this that. is gonna be. You're welcome. I can't remember. Did you go to the bombshell concert that they had? I did not. I did not go in person, but okay. I did watch uh, yeah, it when yeah. it streamed live. Okay, there we go. Um yeah. I didn't do that either. So again, still incredibly far removed from it. I think yes. the fact that people are so excited about this means that one, they're gonna get the cast to match people's expectations of it. And also I think it's just gonna be really camp and fun. And I think they're gonna it lean should. into Yeah, I think they have to lean into that because you have to be oblivious to not know its reputation. Um, and the and, and the TV show was a little yeah. bit self serious, yeah. So sure. a, steering away from that and almost steering into the ridiculousness of a lot of this stuff, exactly. Um, 
it's so funny because we hear so much about anytime there's something crazy, like someone pooping in the aisle near the Clintons at a Broadway <laughs> musical. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, smashes real life. Because so much of like what we said at the time was like, this is ridiculous. We've seen a lot more ridiculous stuff happen ever since. Oh, so like every I think day. Leaning into that. Just in yeah, private. So. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Broadway Radio After Dark. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited. We'll see what happens. We're still at least, like you said, about a year and a half away at the absolute earliest, you know, maybe even two years. But they did not say that there will not be an out-of-town tryout. So they didn't say that it's going to open fresh on Broadway. I think it probably will. This is not a t- property that I think that they will probably do an out-of-town tryout for. Probably but they could. not. I, yeah. Yeah. But I'm excited to see what happens and what kind of talent they do. I personally – Hope that they actually stick fairly close. If they do a Karen and Ivy thing, like I hope they find somebody who has an extensive history as yeah. an ensemble member, like Ooh, Ivy yeah. did in the show, and have her play that, and then have a newcomer play Karen, which is what you know, uh, Kat McPhee's character was in the show. So we will see what happens. But that was not the only pretty exciting news that we got on Wednesday. We also got the complete cast announcement for the upcoming Broadway premiere of Back to the Future, the musical. We already knew about Roger Bart playing Doc Brown, Casey Likes playing Marty McFly, (laughs) and Olivier Award nominee Hugh Coles returning as George McFly. They will be joined by Liana Hunt as Lorraine, who is... uh, Marty's mother, you know, and then the time traveling and all that stuff. Yeah. We also have <laughs> Jelani Remy playing yes. Goldie Wilson and Good Marvin guessing. Berry. Um, Nathaniel Hackman is playing Biff Tannen, the, uh, the dastardly, uh, bad, dastardly. bad guy in multiple time. Yeah. Not dastardly with a D. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> in multiple timelines there. The ensemble also has some great names in it as well. Folks like, uh, Amber Ardolino, Kevin Curtis. Um, Mark Heitzman, uh, Becca Peterson, Emma Pittman, uh, Jonathan Saxer, uh, Blakely Slayball, really some good. really great names. Yeah. Um, so this should be a really fun show. And I guess what this tells me looking at this ensemble and obviously people who saw it in London know this. I didn't, I don't know that I realized it, but that's a lot of like legit dancers. I was going to say very so dance heavy ensemble there. Yeah. Yeah. Art, so I guess I yeah. didn't realize how much uh, of a dance show this probably was. Yeah, I don't know either, and I hope someone lets us know that, because I haven't really checked out a lot of the London stuff, um, other than knowing that it's incredibly tech-heavy, obviously, but I don't know mm-hmm. how that ends up skewing with the ensemble. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm cautious about it. I've heard what I've heard, as we yes. both have. Uh, so I'm, I'm going in with, uh, without bias. How about that? Well, it's so funny, because I've had people tell me, like, it's fine. It's, yeah, it's what you think it is. But then I've had people tell me like it was the most fun they've had in a theater in totally. a long time. And, like I'm talking about like as a whole too, people. not just appreciating the aspects of it. There, there's a right. lot. They're just like appreciating the aspects of it. Yeah, but like just really enjoyed it. So I'm I'm interested to see what happens. And of course, we'll begin performances at the Winter Garden Theater on June 30th with official opening night about five weeks later on August 3rd. This will definitely be one to check out. All right, let's jump into last week's Broadway grosses. I'm just going to run through these fairly quickly. It was a pretty good week overall on Broadway. Not only did we see two new shows join the boards, which we'll talk about here in a second, but it's also the beginning of spring break. So they saw a fairly sizable jump in grosses. It actually rose 19% or a 
about what is that five and a half million dollars to come in at thirty four million one hundred twenty four thousand four hundred twenty two bucks. Overall attendance was up thirteen percent, about thirty thousand people to come in at two hundred fifty nine thousand eight hundred thirty two dollars. Every show on Broadway except for two saw. Actually, I'll say it this way: only five shows saw week to week declines. Three of them were. $12,400 or less. The only other two that were fairly sizable were shows that saw their leads out last week for mm, one or two yeah. performances. One of them being Sweeney Todd, which dropped about $126,000 because uh, Josh Groban was out and Leah Michelle was out for Funny Girl. In fact, she is still out. Apparently, uh, her son is having some uh, health issues. Mm. I believe that they are dealing with that now. She posted about that on social media. But they dropped about $586,000, still doing very well for that show. Everything else other than that, Chicago, A Beautiful Noise, and Leopoldstadt saw week-to-week increases. Overall, the Phantom of the Opera took advantage of its last spring break on Broadway to crack <laughs> the $3 million mark, to come in at $3,029,826. It was followed up by perennial family-friendly shows, The Lion King at $2.25 million, Hamilton at $2.13, Wicked at $2.04, and MJ at $1.7. The rest of the shows north of seven figures in descending order are the aforementioned Sweeney Todd, Cursed Child, Moulin Rouge, Jonas Brothers on Broadway, which we'll get back to, Aladdin and Juliet, Funny Girl at 1.26, even though it lost almost six uh, $600,000. Also, Six, The Book of Mormon and Parade during its opening week, which is pretty encouraging considering all of the comps that they had to give out for opening night and the press previews. Getting back to the Jonas Brothers on Broadway, as we all know, they only did five shows, but they still were able to bring in $1,556,128. I feel like <laughs> I should look, but that might be like the all-time marquee record in just five Maybe. performances, <laughs> um, which is kind of sad, but it's the marquee. And that's we know how troubled that house is, not only like superstitiously, but also just like because of how hard it is to- Haunted in to, every like, possible add- way. Yeah, it's just very, very difficult there. Um, but when we're talking about shows that are in previews, we, uh, saw seven performances from Camelot. It went up pretty significantly. It is still, again, not a full week, but 741,000 bucks. Bad Cinderella also set seven performances, $642. Life of Pi, just under $500,000 at $494. Shucked, still seven performances, not doing as well as it I think I might have thought it was just by the word of mouth, but of course that's a very insidery word of mouth. Um, yeah, it's been four hundred fifty-seven thousand really dollars. I would be surprised. Yeah, I'd be surprised if uh, to see how, or I'd be interested, I guess, to see how the really positive word of mouth for this helps it. Like, I don't think this has any chance of winning like best musical, but I I do feel like the word of mouth, and as they start doing you know promotional performances and stuff like that, I feel like this could rise a little bit. Again, not going to win a Tony for Best Musical. Probably not going to get a ton of like acting nominations. But I still think it's one that could have an opportunity to break through just on the sheer audacity of it all. I guess. It's also just very hard to promote because it sounds like a parody musical from 30 Rock from everything that you see of it so yeah. far. Um, and I think unless they like, actually lean into that 
people are not going to know I mean, are we sure that it's not that? Is. I don't know what it is. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't know. Yeah. I see it next week, and I'm incredibly okay. excited to see it. But yeah. I, I, I am truly going in blind for this show. Okay. And I think a lot of people are kind of having to face that as well. They don't know what the show is. So when there are so many other things on the boards right now, especially huge name things like Sweeney, if you can afford and get a ticket, those are the places that people are going to go. Are you saying that Shucked isn't as big as Sweeney Todd? I mean, not yet. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into some other news. I want to run through some stuff real quick. Yesterday, the Alliance Theater in Atlanta announced the cast and creative teams for the upcoming world premiere musical adaptation of Water for Elephants, based on the critically acclaimed novel and film of the same name. It will begin performances on June 7th at the Coca-Cola stage at the Alliance and run through July 9th. It will be directed by Jessica Stone, who recently made her Broadway debut, helming Kimberly Akimbo. It will also feature a cast of some pretty great talent, including uh, Brian Fenkart, who I believe I saw in Waitress, um, Sarah Gettelfinger, who was uh, in um, Great Gardens off-Broadway and then uh, didn't transfer with it when mm, it went to Broadway. Yeah. Uh, that's always a fun story to get into. The Tony Award mm. nominee, Harry Groner, speaking of uh, Susan Stroman-led projects, he was a Tony nominee for Crazy for You. Also in there, and as the two leads, really, Isabel McCullough, recently of, of Hercules, and Ryan Vasquez of Hamilton and the Wrong Man. Also in the company will be Wade McCollum, uh, who I always loved from uh, submissions only, the web series submissions only. He was great in that. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, also, uh, one of kind of like everybody's favorite cabaret backup singers, Marissa Rosen is going to be in the yeah. ensemble of that show True. as well. Interestingly enough, the book of this show is being written by Rick Ellis. So he's very busy he's right everywhere. now. everywhere. Yeah. Um, between that and <laughs> Smash, man. the, the music and lyrics is being written by the theater group, uh, Pigpen Theater Company. So it's kind of interesting that they are doing that collectively. Uh, but if you want more information on that, we will have it in the show notes. Also yesterday, just shortly before we started recording, the Classic Stage Company announced its upcoming 2023-2024 season. I will run through it very quickly. Starting off will be a revival of the musical I Can Get It For You Wholesale. Yeah. With a, with a, a revised book by John Weidman. The book was originally written by Jerome Weidman. Yeah. Um, and you can probably guess that's not a coincidence. Jerome Weidman, who the musical it's is based Nepo off of his babies. own novel. Jesus. It is his Nepo baby, John Weidman, who has never done anything on his own ever. No, um, never. He's the son of Jerome Weidman. Um, uh, it'll be, it'll be directed by Trip Coleman and it will star. Tony winner Santino Fontana and Tony Award nominee Judy Kuhn, yes. which is like good, excellent. I, I mean, yes. What else do we want? Um, because Nothing. yes. Uh, then we will also have the Fiasco Theater Company's production of William Shakespeare's Pericles. And then we will also have Alice Childress's Wine in the Wilderness, directed by Lashans. Yes. Um, of course, we New saw Lashans. directorial debut. Yes, absolutely. Um, we saw LaShawn's star in Alice Childress's Trouble in Mind on Broadway a couple yeah. seasons ago. Amazing. So love the connection there. Love the fact that Childress is getting an opportunity to be seen on uh, Broadway yes, and in please. New York a lot more than ever before. Moving over to some movie musical news real quick. Yesterday, Paramount uh, released 
A little bit more casting for the upcoming Mean Girls movie musical. Uh, Mahi Alam has been cast as Kevin Gnapor. I forget how you say his name in the show, but he's the mathlete who befriends Katie. And in this version, apparently he has a crush on Janice, which I don't believe was in the musical, but, and I can't remember if that was in the original movie or not. Um, but yeah, that's great. I think technically they end like dancing together. I think it's Kevin Kapoor. Uh, okay. I can't remember that Kevin either. Kapoor. You're right. Yeah. yeah. No, okay. you're right. You're absolutely right. It's been a little while since I've seen it, but I'm actually waiting for tickets to go on sale. And uh, I think it's in Fort Lauderdale. The tour is currently scheduled to end ah. there. And I'm going to get a ticket to the final performance. Um, the casting that really has me excited actually is for a new character who is a teacher at North Shore High School named Mr. Rap. That person cast in that show is named Connor Ratliff, who, if you are a podcast aficionado, you might know him as the host of the podcast Dead Eyes, in which he endeavored to dive into the two-decade-old mystery of why Tom Hanks fired him from the TV show Band of Brothers, um, which was <laughs> a fascinating – It's a, it was a great podcast. He had to stop doing it like his – like his, they were doing a second season and he had to pause it because he got a gig and had to go out of town and like do a gig. Um, and I never picked back up with it. So I've got like 10 episodes left to catch up on. Uh, but basically he got called in after he'd been cast in band of brothers. He got called in um, for Tom Hanks to do like a, like a follow-up audition, a re-audition for Tom Hanks. And he was fired essentially. And his agent told him that it was because Tom Hanks thought that he had dead eyes, which what it's a fascinating wild. It's, I mean, the the podcast is great. I mean, it's about life as an artist and like the ups and downs and kind of like these these opportunities yeah. lost and found. It's a great great podcast. That sounds highly, amazing. Highly recommended. It's fantastic. Add it to my um, something queue. else that yeah, something else that is also fantastic. Yesterday. Uh, Ashley, you and I talked about the fact that Paula Montalban would be joining the Broadway company of Funny Girl. Well, mm-hmm. yesterday, Disney announced that Paolo Montalban will be reteaming with Brandy to play now King Charming and Cinderella in the latest edition of the Descendants movie musical franchise. The latest installment will be called uh, Descendants colon The Rise of Red uh, in this one. Paolo Montalban and Brandy will be playing the king and queen and the parents of, of one of the central characters in this uh, in this new version. If you're familiar with the Descendants movies, tons of Broadway folks have been a part of, part of that uh, in the past. It was led by Dove Cameron in the first three movies. Her parents were played by Kristen Chenoweth and Cheyenne Jackson. Of so course. I think they're actually really, really good. Um so yeah, so it's it's really really great. I'm I'm a big fan of the Descendants movies. I had to watch them with my niece and nephew in the past. So with Palomontabon and Brandy reuniting, I will yeah. be. I mean, I wasn't it, mad about arm it, was but I mean, twisted, absolutely, yeah, yeah. But very very excited about that. All right, our feel good recommendation, as if Smash coming to Broadway wasn't feel good enough. <laughs> feel good recommendation is heading back over to the Today Show for Broadway Week. Oh like, it doesn't matter how many times I've heard this. Like, yeah. it, it literally doesn't matter Rex to see these me. two do this song together is absolutely like you said. I got chills. I, I mean, honestly got chills hearing I'm this. So it mad is, I will not be at that concert. <laughs> I know. Me too. Uh, but it was Brian Stokes Mitchell and Audra McDonald singing Wheels of Needless a Dream. Needless to say. And I, I, look, I know that they were young. When they did this 25 years ago now, uh, originally. We all were. And yeah, but, but I mean, they sound 
the same, if not better than they did in 1998 when I saw them on Broadway. Uh, it's just mind boggling how spectacular these two stars are and how perfect of a show that is. Mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. sure now looking at back on it, like I could, you know, pick nits at it, but what that but how dare you. company created? Well, I mean, I, I'm just saying, looking back, like I'm sure I I was in awe of it when I saw it. It was on my first trip to New York. I thought it was the most epic, wonderful thing I'd ever seen in my life. Uh, but when you look back at the work that Terrence McNally, Len Aaron, Stephen Flaherty, Stafford Arima, uh, and all, everybody else involved did, it is just so magical. And I'm so, so mad at he who will not be named for robbing us of an even longer run of that show and an even greater legacy in uh, the history of Broadway. True. So uh, to still have these two doing those songs and – I know we will not be able to be there for that concert, but man, I hope they decide to to pull like what they did with mm -hmm. the uh, Spring Awakening one and ju just yes, film it or do a documentary on it. Do something because we need to see those performances captured uh, officially one more time. It's a necessity. So. Either way. All right. That is all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt, Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at No, This is Ashley. This is Thursday's episode. So tonight, don't forget, Bad Cinderella is officially opening on Broadway. So we'll have two episodes in the yes, Patreon it feed. Is. Uh, <laughs> so we will get into that uh, tonight in the feed and tomorrow on Today on Broadway. So have a wonderful Thursday. We'll be back to talk to you then. Thank you.